Good morning, church. Going to start the book of Hebrews this morning, and I pray that you will be here for all the lessons that we have. Book of Hebrews is an interesting book. Go to prayer, and then we'll get into it. Father, have you will in your way now in what's said and done from this pulpit today. I also pray, Father, for Kendall and his family. My Father, I pray for your blessing to be upon them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The book of Hebrews is one of the books where uh, the author is not named in the book. The writer, the author. Who's the author, by the way? God is the author. But uh, in my King James Bible, uh, the heading for Hebrews is the epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Hebrews. And uh, although Paul's name is not mentioned, there is some evidence, I think some good evidence, that Paul probably was the writer of the book of Hebrews. And uh, Paul wrote mostly to Gentile nations and, and people. But uh, here is a book, I believe, written to uh, Hebrew believers. And uh, I believe that if we were to look at everything that's contained, we would probably lean toward Paul. Uh, in, in Hebrews 10.34, the writer of the book was in bonds. He was in prison. Uh, in uh, Hebrews 13, uh, the writer was in Italy. And in Hebrews 13, his companion was Timothy. And uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it appears that Peter is attributing Paul to this book. And so um, I don't want to get into uh, an argument over who, who actually wrote the book. I don't know that that really matters as far as God's Word is concerned, because regardless of who wrote it, God's Word is God's Word, and uh, that's what we're going to look at today. This book was written around uh, A.D., uh, before A.D. 70. And so, you know, it was interesting as I began to study this book. Sometimes we think of, uh, if we're not careful, we'll think of hundreds of thousands of years. All right? But biblically, the earth is not that old. And the New Testament... We have to understand the New Testament is less than 2,000 years old, all right? And so in the scope of things, uh, it's not been that long ago, uh, in God's timetable anyway, when these things were actually penned and written down. Now, we're going to look at a word as we get in. The next three weeks will basically be introduction as we look at some of the key words in the book. And today we're going to look at the word better, B-E-T-T-E-R, better. How many of you like stuff better? Okay. Have um, you, you ever noticed uh, how many food products are coming out with a better one? As if the original one wasn't any good. And they keep coming out with a better one and a better one and a better one. And uh, by the way, as long as they keep adding additives to the food, it will never be better for you. All right. And uh, so 
but the word better. And so we're going to look at that. And, and the first better we're going to look at is a better revelation. A better revelation. Now, the Hebrew believers were bringing in a mixture of grace and law in what they were doing in teaching. And the Bible we're going to see in Hebrews, the, the writer, uh, and if I slip up and say Paul, forgive me, because I do believe Paul probably wrote the book. Um, the writer goes into great detail in the book of Hebrews about the old covenant and the new covenant. And he calls the new covenant a better covenant. And we're going to look at those reasons today as we get into it. So a better revelation in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in the past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir unto all things, by whom also ye have made the worlds. Now stop there for a moment before we read the next two verses. Now, we see a contrast now between the Old and the New. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through man. Now, how many of you know sometimes prophets didn't tell the truth? Okay? Sometimes the old, in the Old Testament, they weren't always totally forthright in what they were supposed to say. All right? Now, you may not have known that. And sometimes the Old Testament prophets wanted, wanted to do things that God didn't want them to do. Um, he even used a donkey to talk to one. All right? The donkey had more sense. But in the New Covenant... It says he has spoke to us through Christ himself. Christ does not lie, does not stretch the truth, does not do anything that the Father didn't desire him to do. Don't you wish you and I were that way? Don't you wish you could say at the end of every day, I did everything the Father wanted me to do. And I didn't do anything the Father didn't want me to do. Anytime man is given free will, do we have free will? He can blow it. Okay. Now, so the better revelation, Jesus, it says in verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, sometimes in the Old Testament, God would deliver the message to the prophets through angels. Now, let me try to teach you something. God does not speak to you through angels today. People, people sometimes tell me, God told me, God told me, and they'll tell me what God told them. Pastor Randy so often is contrary to what God's Word says. If, if, if some, some mystical spirit speaks to you, 
you better go to the Word of God to find out what God really has to say about it. And so we have a better revelation. In the Old Testament, God spoke through men. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke directly to men. And today he still does through his word. He does not speak to man outside his word. We need to understand that. There is no new revelation today. No new prophecies today. They are all recorded in this book, every one of them. And if someone... <laughs> Tim, I know you and I talk a whole lot about the second coming, and, and there are a lot of people out there saying, Jesus will come in 2022. God has spoke to my heart that that's what's going to happen. Well, then God told them something he hasn't yet told the son. Because even the son does not know when he's coming. Only the father knows that. Now, I believe Jesus' sentence is very close. I believe Jesus is probably fixing to stand and come. I believe all the signs point to that. I do agree with Pastor Randy from Sunday school this morning. I believe the church in America might suffer some. We might be persecuted some, maybe before he comes. You say, oh, preacher, I I'm sure that God's not going to let us be persecuted. Talk to other believers in other parts of the world about that. Do you know Christians are being martyred today? And even in our own country, they're being imprisoned today. And we need to understand, prophecy is only what we have in this book. I cannot come here and give you, quote, prophecy of, I, I can't prophesy who's going to be the next president. I can't prophesy if you're going to get up in the morning. I am not a prophet, nor is anybody else alive today a prophet in the sense of being able to predict the future. Now, a New Testament prophet is simply one who proclaims God's word and the truth. So in the sense of the New Testament term of prophet, I am one. I proclaim his truth. The Old Testament prophet not only portrayed, portrayed truth, but he portrayed future. And that's one reason you knew if he was a real prophet or not, if what he predicted didn't come through one time. He was a false prophet. Now, how many times have people made, quote, predictions have been called prophets in this day and age in which we live, and it didn't come through true? And so they change it. Oh, I meant to say... Or God spoke to me again, and I had to date wrong. All right? We have a better revelation. Christ speaks to us through his word. Praise God for that. We have a better hope, a better hope. In Hebrews 7, 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. The law was imperfect. 
The law could not redeem man. It could only point out to man that man had a need for redemption. Nobody under the law was saved by the law. They were saved by faith. Faith in the promised coming of the Messiah. You and I are saved by faith in the Messiah that has come and is yet to come again. Thank God for that. Man in the, uh, under the old covenant could not have a direct relationship to God. He needed a man to intercede for him. And we're going to talk about these things. Now, now listen, remember, we're only introducing here. We're going to cover these things in detail as we get into the uh, chapter-by-chapter study of Hebrews. The grace covenant, the new covenant, the better covenant, man now has direct access to relationship with God, with Jesus as the interceder. Now, Boy, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Catholic Church teaches that you have to go to a man to confess your sin. And the priest becomes a mediator between man and God. Okay? Man cannot intercede for me. Because Jesus is my interceder. By the way, I'm glad man can intercede for me. Just think about it. If man could intercede for you and you, got it, you went to a man to intercede for you, but he didn't like you. Or he might be angry with you. Or he might be drunk. We don't go to man for our confession. We go directly to God through the Son. And he is the one that's constantly making intercession for me. And I don't have to go through some kind of ritual every time I sin because he covered that one time for all and it's finished. I'm forever saved. So we have a better revelation, a better hope, and we have better things. Better things. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. And the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh upon it, oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, For God is not unrighteous to forget our works and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye minister to the saints and do minister. In the old covenant, man did what he did because of commandment. He was, God demanded you do this, and he demanded you do that, and he demanded you do this. Under the new covenant, God says, minister because you love. Not because of the requirements that I've sent, 
but because the love that I have displayed that you have received, now display that love to others. In the Old Testament, you rebel, we talked about this in Sunday school. You talked, you rebelled against God, he might just come along and kill you. Or if you were a teenager and you rebelled against your parents, they might come along and stone you. In the New Testament, we know we sin. We know we can't measure up. So God in his infinite mercy and grace because of his love sent his son to redeem us to himself. And what we do now is out of a heart of love and appreciation for what God... Listen, I don't tithe because God commands it. I give because I love what God has done for me. I give because I love others. I give because God has blessed me. The Old Testament, you gave or else. The New Testament, God, I believe, God upped the ante. He says, he, he says look, I want you to give out of a grateful heart. Not out of a, I, I command you to do it or else. I want you to do it as an appreciation for all that I've done. And so this, we have a, a, a it's better, okay? We have a, 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 the least, the least is blessed with the better. Hebrews 7, 7. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. By the way, I'm the less. He's the better. Every blessing I have, now hear me, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. I'm not blessed because I'm good. I'm not blessed because I'm nice. Because fact of the matter, I'm, I'm not always good and I'm not always nice. Shock, huh? I know, I know you're sitting back there. I can't believe he's not always good and he's all always nice because every time I see him, he's so sweet. Don't you wish? I'm not blessed because of who I am. I am blessed because of who he is. There's a better priesthood today. I may ask Pastor Randy when we get into this part, when we get into chapter 7, forewarning you, I may ask him to talk about the difference between the Levitical priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood. There's a difference. And we'll get into that in Hebrews. And, and Randy, you may or may not get to teach that part. You and I may sit down and do some research together if we get a chance. But the um, reason I say Randy, Randy is... Uh, I wish you could all hear him in Sunday school. That's what I wish, all right? Um, now he is really good on these things. But in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20 through 28, in so much as not without an oath he was made perfect, uh, made priest. For those priests were made with, without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. 
Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So by much was Jesus made surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were, uh, they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. In other words, the old priest all died. And when they died, they had to get another one. It's kind of like a pastor. Pastors aren't pastors of the same church forever. Sometimes pastors die, and you have to get a new one. Sometimes they move away, and you have to get a new one. Well, in the Old Testament, priests were priests while they were living. And then they died. But the priest now is an eternal priest. He's in the, by the way, a priest is an intercessor. A priest is one that intercedes on behalf of the people. In the Old Testament, that's what the priest did. But you see here in the New Testament, we have an eternal priest. In verse 25, wherein he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and for them of the people. For this he did once, and when he offered up himself, for the law maketh men high priests who have infirmities, but the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh a son who is consecrated forever. I'm glad that my priest is not the same priest that used to be. I have an eternal priest who made intercession for me and continues to do that. Now, the word uttermost, said saved to the uttermost, okay? And that uttermost means totally complete. So Jesus' redemption is complete in me. It's totally complete and perfect. Can you improve on something that's perfect? No. My salvation is perfect because the perfect priest paid the sacrifice and offered that sacrifice one time to the Father. So perfect, sinless priest who needed only to offer the sacrifice is not a continual thing. Now, there's going to come a day when sacrifices again will be offered in the temple. And um, if you follow the news any, the f- rabbis in Israel are now saying that the last red heifer has been born. Mm-hmm. I won't get into that. Pastor Randy does a lot better job on that than me. But that tells me something. 
That tells me they're not too far away from wanting to set up the sacrifice in the temple. And goodbye, world, goodbye. Our soon home going is sooner than we ever thought. Better preaching, a better covenant. But now he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon, and the next one we're going to look at, better promises. Why did God come up with a better covenant? <laughs> the old covenant wasn't working. <laughs> as far as man being redeemed, the requirements of the old covenant were impossible for man to maintain. Now think about it. We're told not to covet in the old covenant. Have you ever looked at something and boy, I say, I wish I had that. That's covet. We have all broken the old covenant. So God brought a new covenant, a better, he calls it a better covenant. And the reason I believe he calls it a better covenant is this covenant is able to save to the uttermost. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I, my sin is no longer temporarily covered by a blood of an animal. It's permanently covered by the blood of the lamb. A better covenant. Better promises. In the old covenant, promises were always conditional. How many of you know that? They were always conditional. The new covenant, the new covenant, there's an unconditional promise. The promise is not conditional upon my keeping a set of rules and regulations. The new covenant is based on me receiving what someone else has already done. And the only part that I have to do in the new covenant is accept. Believe, receive. So we have a better covenant, better promises, and a better sacrifice in Hebrews 9.23. Now, I'm hurrying through these. Again, understand, we're going to look at these in detail as we get into each chapter. Hebrews 9.23, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves, which with better sacrifice, than these. <laughs> Remember when Jesus uh, cleared the money changers away from the front of the temple? I mean, you're familiar with that. He got angry and turned over the tables. The reason he did that is they were selling sacrifices at the door and making money off of it. Now, aren't you glad you don't have to come here every so often and buy a sacrifice. By the way, there is a large religion today that sells sacrifices. I cannot buy this sacrifice. I cannot make my own sacrifice. 
I have a better sacrifice that was made for me one time. We have a better sacrifice. We have a better possession. For ye have compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Now, let's look at better possession. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament for a minute. What was the promised land for the Israelites? Come on, talk to me. Canaan, all right? They went through the wilderness for 40 years to get there, did they not? Come on. All right? Now, my possession is better than that. Did people die in Canaan? Yes, they did. Are we going to die when we get to heaven? No, we're not. Better possessions. Uh, right now, if you lived in Florida uh, this last week in the central uh, corridor of Florida, you may have well lost everything you own. But you see, we have a better possession than those things. Everything materially that I own one day will be destroyed. But I have a possession that's better than that. We'll look at that as we get into it. We have a better country. This goes along with the one we just did. In Romans eleven sixteen. now they desired a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Can you imagine God preparing a special city for his saints? I mean, think about it. It's not finished yet. My place is not done yet. He's still preparing it. Now, you say, preacher, how will you know when he's done with it when he comes gets me? When he comes to take me home, then I'll know he's finished. But think, God is, of, 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 think of our beautiful country. If you've been to the Grand Canyon or to the mountains or to Niagara Falls or uh, so many beautiful places that God created. By the way, they didn't just accidentally happen over millions and millions of years because rivers changed and God did it. God did it. But think about all the beauty that we've seen. God's preparing something that puts that to shame. And it's my internal, eternal inheritance. It's a better possession, better country. Romans chapter 11, verse 21 through 25. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not ye. Behold, therefore, the godliness and severity of God, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in this goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide, uh, 
not stealing unbelief, uh, unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to the nature of a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, let me try to explain that briefly. Israel rejected God, Jesus as the Messiah. The Jewish nation rejected him. And so God took his message of redemption to the Gentile nations. That would be me. And God is telling us when it's all said and done, you, you read the book of Revelation, there are going to be a lot of Jewish people that come to the Messiah. There are a lot of Jewish people today coming to the Messiah. And God says he's going to graft the Gentiles and the children of Israel together into one. There is no difference in God's eyes between the Jew and the Gentile. In Christ, we are all one. We are all one. Now, I believe unsaved Jews and unsaved Gentiles are all one. They're all one. They're all lost. Being a Jew doesn't give you a special uh, ticket to heaven. Being a Gentile doesn't give you a special ticket to heaven. Jesus, staying with the term ticket, Jesus is your ticket home. He holds your ticket. And you must accept that and receive it. So we have a better resurrection in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Women receive, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured and not accepted deliverance that they may attain that better resurrection. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple things here. Lazarus was Lazarus resurrected from the dead. Did he die again? We have a better resurrection than what Jesus was doing to those he raised from the dead when he walked on earth. Because when we get resurrected, we won't die again. Now, some, some are going to be killed, martyred for their faith. That's happening today all over the world, and that's been happening ever since Jesus came on the scene. Some were imprisoned. Some are in prison today. It's against the law in many countries to preach Jesus. 
and you'll pay for it with your life. You'll pay for it for imprisonment. In Afghanistan, even now, they are beheading Christians. Beheading them. Children are being beheaded because parents won't recant. Can you imagine that kind of faith? The faith to say, I'm sorry to my children. I cannot deny Christ to save your life. That's the kind of faith that God, for lack of a better term, demands. We don't think it's anything to worry about because it's somewhere else. I was looking at the, the weather. The hurricane hit Guatemala yesterday, or the day, the, the, the Central America. And, and my very first thought, my very first thought was, well, that doesn't affect me. Immediately, I changed that thought. Because whether I'm affected directly by it or not, people are hurting. People are losing their homes. And we've got the idea that what's happening on the other side of the world doesn't affect us. I got news for you, church. Every martyred saint should affect us. And we ought to care. So they were in prison, they were uh, killed in prison, and many were destitute, didn't have anything. One of the missionaries I, I, I keep in course, I say missionaries, native pastors I keep in contact with, rain washed all their crops away last week. Rain and snow <laughs> wiped out all their, all their crops. We complain when there's only one brand of bread in the grocery store. Not realizing there are Christians all over this world destitute. There are Christians in America destitute. They don't have. It's hard when we have everything we need to envision people without everything they need. It's only by the mercy and grace of God that you have what you have. And that I have what I have. The thing is, we are all made acceptable in Christ. The martyr, the imprisoned, the destitute, those who have been abundantly blessed and haven't, quote, suffered persecution, we've all been made acceptable in Christ. We're all one. I do believe there's a martyr's crown. Okay, I believe the Bible teaches that. Better thing. Having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. The better thing, the gospel as compared to the law. Aren't you glad you're in the day of grace and not under the law? I wonder how many of us would have survived. I would not got out of my teenhood. Not on the Old Testament law, I wouldn't have. 
But you see, we have a, a better thing. We have a new covenant. We have the blood of Jesus. We're saved not by doing. We're saved by receiving what's been done. And we have a better mediator. A better mediator. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, we may get into some of this very deeply, but, but, but in the Old Testament, basically the mediator of the Old Testament law, man-wise, was Moses. The law came through Moses, we're told. Now, did Moses write the law? No. He delivered the law that God had written. And men were judged based on that law. Men died based on that law. You and I have a better mediator than the head. You know, Moses interceded for the people more than once. But you know, one time Moses got so angry, his, his thought was just kill him. Aren't you glad you, got a, you don't have a mediator that says, hey, hey, Father, just kill him. I'm tired of them too. Aren't you glad pastors aren't mediators? The pure sacrifice once offered in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 19 through 24, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things were by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves, with better sacrifices than these, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Thank God. Jesus entered into heaven for us. That'd be you and me. That'd be other believers. Old Testament sacrifices could not remove sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. It is impossible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Only one sacrifice does that. And that's the sacrifice that Christ made. That's the sacrifice that Christ made. Now, this is the introduction, part one. Next week, we're going to look at the word perfect. The word perfect appears 15 times in this book. Perfect. The law, Old Testament law, was not perfect because it didn't offer redemption. The new covenant is perfect in the fact that it provided redemption.
We're going to look at the word perfect next week. And the following week, we're going to look at the two-word phrase, let us. Let us. It appears 13 times in the book of Hebrews. Pastor Randy, when I was in Bible school, one thing they taught me, if God said it, believe it. If he said it more than once, you really, really take note. And the word perfect in Hebrews is 15 times. And let us, 13 times. And when I see the term let us, it indicates that maybe God's trying to tell us we need to be doing some things. We need to be involved in some things. And so I hope you'll plan on being here with us through this whole study. Lord willing, the whole study will be put on podcasts. I'm also going to try to put a booklet together uh, like uh, Pastor Randy and I do sometimes on the book of Hebrews. I think the book of Hebrews, uh, Pastor Randy, may be one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible. Uh, one of the ways to understand the book is realize who it was written to, when it was written, why it was written. And the book of Hebrews, in, in, in my estimation, is written to take us away from those things which keep us defeated and focus on the one thing that gives us victory. And in this day and age in which we live, we need to focus on the victory. And so I pray that you'll come through this with us and, and, and be there. 